He also said that every generation needs a revolution, Jimmy. The American dream is just that. Just a dream. War is a continuation of politics. Only by other means. Politics is a continuation of economics by other means. This is our bank. This is our war. And this is our plan of attack. Banks have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this justice. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the Internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution Radio! The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Hold on, please. Okay, everybody. Aloha. <laughs> Wait, we have our intro. Hold on. Oh, no, we don't have an intro. It's, it's Stargate to the Cosmos. Aloha, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Stargate to the Cosmos on Revolution Radio, and I'm your host, Janet Carol Lesson. And today, it looks like we have Kevin Estrella, uh, Kevin Tribble and Tony Rodriguez, and I've got to go into the other room and uh, help my beloved husband get on because apparently he's not uh, showing us on. So, uh, just do a quick voice check. Uh, Kevin Estrella, are you there? I sure am. How are you? Oh, good. Tony Rodriguez, are you there? Tony? Okay. Wait. Am I off this call? Uh, no, I can hear you, Janet. Uh, Tony. I can hear you. Okay, there he is. Okay. So Tony's there, and Kevin's there, and Kevin Trimble is I there. I don't know if Tony's here. I, 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 I'm, I'm here. Oh, geez, okay. you sound just like him. <laughs> okay. I, I do have to get Tony, and I. I'm not sure. He said yes, he's coming on, but I have to call him. And uh, anyway, could you guys, Kevin, can you mm-hmm. take the lead right here? And to- uh, Tony's here, but he can't hear us, is what it is. I'm going to hang him up and call him back. Okay. And I'm quickly going to. Um, and I called Sasha, get too. Sasha. But he didn't answer. Okay, I'll, I'll go get Sasha. He's got something off. Hold on. Okay, I think Sasha's with us now. <laughs> okay. Uh, did Sasha pick up yet? Okay. Hi, everybody. <laughs> we're having we have a 
little panel tonight going here. Uh, I'm not even sure if I'm live here. Hello? Hey, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're live, and now we got Tony. It's Tony. Okay. Hello. Oh, oh, Tony, good. Hi, Tony. Right, Sorry, we have a little group call going here. And Sasha, are you are you on now? No, he's still... There he is. There's Sasha. Okay. Now, a quick voice check with everybody. Um, you know, go ahead and start. To Sasha, say hi. We're going to just do a voice check to see if everybody's... No, can't hear you. Can't hear you. Try plugging it in the other hole. The other... Uh, there, on the side there. Okay. There you go. Now, Tony, we heard you talk. Uh, I'm here. Kevin, Kevin Estrella, can you Present. say hi? I'm here. And Kevin Trimmel, are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Okay. And Sasha, you don't need the, the visual that, that eats up our bandwidth. Sasha, turn off the visual that eats up the bandwidth. Turn off the visual and say hello. Hello. Speak. Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we have a group here tonight. Um, so, anyway, we're, we're going to be discussing... The secret space program and everything around that and uh, thank you all for showing up for today's show today and i'm janet care lesson and as i said i'll just tell you real quick listeners that we have tony rodriguez uh kevin estrella kevin trimo dr sasha alec lesson and myself janet care lesson and we're going to listen to uh, tony rodriguez and Kevin Trimble talk about the Secret Space Program. We're going to start with Tony because it's been a while since we've had you on our show. Um, Hello. And tell us the latest. Can you can you hear me, Tony? Yes, I can. I can hear you real good. Okay, so we're going to start with you, Tony. So, okay. uh, tell us what's new since the last time we spoke, and um, and tell our listeners who might be new uh, some of your story, and then we're going to. I'll ask you questions and go kind of round table here, especially during the second half of the show. But um, go ahead, Tony. We'll start with you. Uh, well, things that are new, I've just been uh, trying to get my life back to normal. You know, just, yeah, I spent a year trying to remember everything as best I can. I think I've been spending the rest of the time trying to forget it. Um, Oh. Recently, recently, I'm working on other interviews um, with people. I've been invited to do some other things, and I've been working on a book. Uh, I have a guy helping me write the book because he's a much better author than, than I am. <clears throat> and as it was when I wrote the, when I began writing the book, we're kind of stuck in the birth, in the the most difficult parts or the early, um, right after I was taken. And uh, I did it subsequent 20 and back. The, the early years of that were uh, trauma-based mind control. So covering that stuff in the book and going, you know, and you got to offer as much as you can for proof too. So covering that is kind of hard to recall for me. And uh, he gets it too. He says he's having a hard time writing it down because some of it was just, you know, for like, you know, obviously it was traumatic. So that's kind of where I've been. I haven't been... Um, to uh, participating in, in much else going on um, well, recently. I, I you know, totally I don't even follow the news that. anymore. 
No, I can't either. I just want to interject. I'm an experiencer, and you know, I'm not a secret space program, except I have one incident, I guess, my lab. But uh, it is traumatic whenever <laughs> I start to write it, I kind of shut down. But I, I just wanted to offer uh, both you and Kevin uh, as uh, anytime you want to do a regression, we'll do it. We'll do it for free. We can do it via Skype. It's all confidential. But we can, uh, Dr. Lesson here is a, he's, he's in the 70s. He's been doing this type of work all of his life, over 50 years, and he's really good at it. So, Sasha, I spoke for you, but is that, is that something you can agree to, to help to get the story out from people that uh, get stuck I, I, with I'd be, I'd be glad. I'd be glad to um, not only help you, Tony, but give you the tools where you can uh, work through a lot of uh, this stuff yourself. Um, but, you know, you've got to honor your own uh, speed of how much you go, how fast. And uh, so there's a part of uh, there's a part of you that's that interrupts sometimes and saying, don't get into that right now. Instead of just dismissing that part, you say part that says don't get into that. Um, tell me a little bit about your interests and why you don't want me to get into it now and what are your concerns and you know, in other words you can go deeper if you use the uh, blocks or uh, or the reticent as a help to you to find out how to go deeper i uh, in the in the beginning i guess the whole time the whole experience because when you come forward with claims like this so many people are skeptical and there's so there's such a such a need for proof you know like i mean that's the it's the p word everybody wants proof so what i've been doing is not regressing and not doing any of the other things and trying to get all my memories back as organically as possible and um you know i gotta say you know i tend to still remember details i'm still remembering mm -hmm. things but i i've been kind of back to my own life uh recently in the last few months and just trying to get uh you know my raise my kids and um so I haven't been given, it's been kind of all the, all that stuff, other than working on the book, uh, we've been devoting like one day a week where we, we conference call about the book. Other than that, I haven't been doing much, you know, with it, with, uh, what I know. Um, there, there'll be more yeah, stuff you know, coming out. I want to get to that. I gotta that. say that, Tony, the proof is, you know, when I work with somebody, I don't care about proof. I just care about you and I care about your sure. health and your being able to function and be okay. And uh, it, proof is 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 what what the man who doesn't uh, and entertain anything but the narrow band of the matrix considers anyway. Uh, if you just let your own memory, the way you remember it, the way you talk about it, uh, when you're just uh, talking about it, not worrying about proof, you're going to get a lot more. Yeah. Well, like I, you know, I and I did a conference. I went to, I, I did finally talked in front of a live crowd, and they, uh, I went down to Rye, Australia, for the Star Family Conference, which was a great thing, and I think I learned more than I taught anybody there. Um, but that was what I realized was that the on the first day of the conference, I went there, and I my whole my whole talk was going to be based on proving my account because there were there's proof, you know, there there are things mm -hmm. that that corroborate. Mm -hmm my memories and what I remember that are, um, that make a really strong argument for me and can be offered as proof. And what, what I realized was that crowd didn't even care. 
and I, uh, the next right. day for the, the next day for the talk, I just scrapped the whole first 30 minutes that I was going to use to prove how the research process works with people that are, you know, in a, and I got, I was able to skip all that and get right to the, to the heart of it. And they were a very right. advanced crowd in the subject. So I get what you're saying, right. but uh, still there is a, there, I think every day there are more people coming into the subject and uh, that are from scratch that have no idea. Like, uh, you know, me personally, I had no idea about hypnotic regression or any of the treatments, the kinesiology treatments they do, any of that stuff. All this stuff was, I was just a normal guy in my life and then got an MRI scan and, and had 20 years of memories reconstruct, you know, of times that I was taken and did a 20 and back. You know, that's basically what happened. I, I was just as... Um, I was just as asleep as anybody else, other than the fact that I knew about the original abduction. They never, I always had that memory. The, the night of the abduction, the eat the grays in my room, I always remembered that. So I always was like kind of in the know that there was something going on, but it wasn't until um, I realized the 20 and back years and it all constructed that I uh, woke up. I mean, you know, I'm using a terminology that everybody uses now, but mm -hmm. basically that's true, you mm -hmm. know, and I was very unaware. And I think that moving forward with my account, with my information, I need to keep those people in mind because it's really a small community that's aware that even knows what I'm talking about. That even knows the 20 oh. and back term. One of the things you know, I, that happened with the, with the details, like uh, Susie Hansen found that if, even though she didn't know the technology of stuff, if you talk to physicists like Rudy Shields uh, and uh, technologists, they knew they could uh, supply some of the things that she didn't understand, but she observed watching. So there's that kind of corroboration, too, yeah. as oh, the yeah. more you just make what you saw available, uh, the more help you'll get with people that know what, what you were, were dealing with in a technical way that you don't. Yeah, I've had um, a few companies reach out to me. Recently, I had a company reach out to me that saw my account. And uh, when I spoke about how the money transacted on Ceres Colony, that um, they used facial recognition uh, for um, some mm -hmm. of the money transactions, there's a company that wants to do that, and they want me as an mm -hmm. advisor. You know, so I've been reached out to already, kind of, kind of like what you're talking about um, mm -hmm. for technology, just from from that. And I don't remember a lot of uh, nuts and bolts things, but um, yeah, I, I think you're right. It is going, it is moving forward like that. I think wow. the audience is growing. I think the I think the the secret space program audience is growing rapidly, and uh, oh, it definitely is. It's like a in a few years. I, I, my my friend put up a, a group with secret space program, and in, in about an hour, she had a thousand people signed up. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, <laughs> it was like whoa. Yeah, that is a key phrase. So I have. Um, uh, I've got two Go friends ahead. who are actually yeah, it's Kevin. I've got uh, two uh -huh. friends who were um, in the secret space program, two with uh, very different, uh, very different uh, missions and very different memories. But um, the thing that, that that I find interesting is that you know people who are, who are starting to talk about their experiences, like you think that um, there'd be some you know people behind the scenes trying to track you guys down and you know take you out uh, you know from speaking. But do you think it's actually that it's part of a program that they this is how they're trying to leak the information out into the public? For you guys, I well, I think that there are. I think that there are individual. Um, I think there are different circumstances. I I think that me personally, I was taken on, on an illegal basis. Like the programs have their own set of laws, their own their own um, 
you know, their own set of rules that they follow. And I think that I was kind of shuttled through the side door and done off the record. Like I, 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 uh, it's like a can of somebody that run, that is running a Coca-Cola factory and they run off a special Coke lime product. And at the end of the run, when they're done with it, they go, Hey, let's run through a few cases for us. And I think that's what happened to me. I think myself and the other kids that I went through were slaves for a private people that had it just had access to the tech. So that's why I'm not really on the record up there. And I was shuttled through the kind of the side door so that now that I'm speaking forward and kind of public, even the even there, I've had un- insiders that re- there have been insiders that ran me that there's no record of me up there. So I think that that's kind of what's I think there's that's the, what's happened with me. Personally, I think other guys, some people may come forward and be at Jeopardy. Um, you know, there's a lot of people chattering about the the one new guy, the the autopsy guy, Emery, that he's been getting, you know, a, a, a uncanny bad luck after he's come out, come forward. But he was obviously in a more official professional capacity. I wasn't a professional. I was a slave up there. So, you know, I wasn't, I was somebody very low level that they wouldn't have to worry about somebody more higher, higher up the chain to come forward and go public is a far more dangerous than me. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony, have you and Kevin Trimble ever met each other? I mean, even on the radio? Are yeah. Oh yeah. As soon as I heard, okay. as soon as I heard Kevin's um, take, I saw, I think just his very first interview, I got a hold of him immediately. And I think it wasn't all but a weekend or two later, I rode down to Canada and we, and he met me half, we right over the border in Canada. We met for lunch because you know, it, oh, wow. you're dying to talk to other people that know what you know, that, that, well, that have experienced kind of the same experience. You know, there, there's a real, there's a real hunger to talk to other people just to get just to get um uh to ground yourself you know because to be alone and have this many memories that don't make sense with what anybody else in the world thinks you know my my wife believes me but she doesn't really want to sit and talk about it because she does she can't relate and so there's a real hunger to meet other people that can you can relate to or that can relate to you as well you know after what you've been through and so I, you know, I ran to Kevin, and, and he struck me as very genuine. And after the end of our lunch, I, there was no doubt in my mind that uh, he was the real deal. Wow. Well, that's my motivation. I'm putting on a, a conference in October, and it's not about money. It's about so we can all get together and look at each other and read the same air and share stories. Exactly. And, uh, connect the dots and figure it out. Because I've done a, a number of conferences, and they have the experiencer group, but... Uh, my heart really goes out for people that have been, you know, these slaves. <laughs> I mean, what, what worse thing can happen than you're, you know, taken and you're put in service and you, you do all these things and 20 years go by and, and you're back at home and you're like, what happened? What was that? You know, um, that, that just uh, breaks my heart. It really does. And I'm hoping there's some way we can help heal that wound and, and you know, stop that on some level. A lot of people have been really good to me after hearing the story. Um, you know, and I, I haven't really been motivated on a giant mission to to tell everybody. I, you know, I've just responded to requests. People ask me what happened, and I've I've said uh-huh. so. And and uh, just remembering remembering in itself and being able to talk to other people in itself has been really the greatest healer for me because I did carry a lot of the problems with me from the experience. I was a changed person 
the day before I was taken, I was a completely different person than the day after when I was put back. I was completely changed. And then I carried, you know, PTSD and all kinds of other traumas with me. And I couldn't figure it out. I remember being a teenager you know, in my late teen years going, I don't know what's wrong with me. Asking friends, I know something's wrong with me. I just don't know what it is. I got what, what made me look different than everybody. And now that I remembered, I'm able to assign a cause to it. And that's been just the best bandaid for it. Um, talking about it and just knowing where, where some bad habits come from or where, you know, where habits that I acquired come from because I didn't know before. Wow. Interesting. Um, okay, so can, for our listeners who are going, what are they talking about? Maybe you could give them a little bit of, of, of background on what happened to you. Sorry to take them out. We're just talking full speed, but sure, uh, sure. just bear with us. We'll give a little synopsis. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, to anybody that's listening, you know, it's it's hard to put in a nutshell because it's very unbelievable, If you, especially if you've never heard of any of it before. But in a nutshell, I met... I went to school with the son of a boy who said his dad was an Illuminati. And I made him angry. We didn't get along. And one day his dad was at the school, and he pointed me out to him. He said, that's that boy I told you about, Dad. And uh, they talked about me. And it was that night or the, uh, a couple nights later, it was in a very short time that I woke up and I had gray aliens in my room. Uh, you know, And I was abducted. And what happened was I was taken and put through a 20 and back, where I lived 20 years and then regressed in time and age however they did that technically I, i'm not entirely sure basically i lived 20 years as a slave through program and sold from program to program i lived on earth i lived in seattle and in peru i went through um trauma-based mind control in southern california in in Kern, and then sold off to a space uh program a secret space program i ended up on mars and then for a program that only didn't last long that failed and it was canceled so then i was re-aptitude tested and retrained and ended up on the series um planetoid which is right after mars in our solar system which is inhabited by the german breakaway group from germans after world war ii moved out there and it's the series colony and i ended up working on um Cargo ships, uh, spaceships, interstellar ships that are trading with ET races that are ongoing, and I did that for a better part of a decade, more of a more than a decade. I was on Ceres Colony, and then they put me back. They took me back to the base behind the moon, you know, on the moon, and then whatever system they used, they age regressed me, and then I went back through time, and I woke up the next morning in my bed, and for me, it had been twenty years. But it had only been one night. So I literally woke up and got it down and went down and had breakfast with my mom and dad and my sister. And I felt like I hadn't seen them in 20 years. And I said so. I said, I haven't felt like I haven't seen you guys. And it was like I really, I li- the, the biggest curse of the whole thing was I had to live through the 80s twice. But um, that's that's essentially what happened. You know, in a nutshell, uh, without giving all the, you know, every little detail. Basically, I lived for 20 years. And we did, I lived on Earth. At the same time as myself living on Earth, you know, so there's there's a lot of technology going on that, with time travel, which is a good reason why they won't tell us. Um, but there's also being abused because I didn't have any human rights while I was up there, and I was I was treated very badly, you know, um, and I wasn't the only one. There were over forty thousand slaves on Ceres Colony with me. There were men were that that were being used as slaves, men and women. And uh, women that were being used for sex slaves, they, were, they had a red light district. So it's not the most wholesome 
th- it's not an enlightened thing. People think that space travel would just people that can travel in spaceships would be very enlightened culture, and it wasn't a very enlightened culture. It was a very oppressive culture that's up there. And um, so and I went through that. Running so, who's running it? You know, you know what's funny is that's like one of the most um, common questions I get. People, who's who's in charge? And they really don't tell you. They really don't want you to know. Um, I know that we were our ship when we got in trouble. We had we had missions fail. We got in trouble. We had to report to a base that's around Jupiter. That was the reptiles. That was a, it was in a like a temporal bubble. When you go in it, you can't see any stars or anything, and you have to go back out the exact same way you came. And there was a big base, uh, star base, you know, like a space base in there, and it was all reptiles. And we had to report to them when we got in trouble. So. They were above us. Who's telling? Who's running them? I don't know. I have no clue. They, it's the. It's kind of like your knowledge. The flow of knowledge stops right there at the next level, to where your superiors report to. So you report to your guy who reports to his superior, that reports to his, and where he reports to, it stops there. And then so you don't know who's running it. There's no. They're not proud of it. There's not something they advertise. You know, and just like the world, who's running the world? They're not going to tell us because then you have somebody to conquer. So it's a secret. They keep it a secret. What kind of reptilians were they? What did they look like? They were a mix. There were many. There were tall, skinny ones. Um, there were. I was. Uh, there are shorter ones in my room. The night I was taken, there were shorter ones taken that uh, were very strong. They were only um, three or four, about four feet tall, and they were very strong and um, carried me out. And then there were bigger bigger reptiles um, that I didn't meet. I stood outside the door that were actually in charge that were larger. And I never met, uh, well, I didn't meet one of those with uh, my own two eyes. So there was a mix of races. There were insectoid races that were all, it's a confederation um, of ETs that work together. So there were many different races, the long neck grays, the white grays, and the reptiles and certain insectoids. They were all working together on the base uh, the, the original base, wherever it was, I believe it was underground somewhere that I was taken to. And then um, when I was on series, there were. A, go ahead. Go ahead. We're, we're listening. When I was on series, there were a couple other ET races that lived there that were more human like. There was one, uh, like a seven foot tall human that had um, different arm proportions, like a longer forearm than ours and a shorter top arm. And then they were taller and uh, had bigger eyes and long straight hair. And then they were subordinate to a to a taller race that had very wide hips and and, and like a completely different looking head. Uh, you know, they had the elongated skull, but they had they were like le- far less human than the other race did. And the Germans and the Germans when the police showed up had complete authority. So I, the Germans were really in charge there. So those other two races were working under the German command on Ceres colony. So these were human German. They looked human. They were human. They were from earth. Yes. They were Germans. They were from they earth. Were, yeah. How old? Wow. Well, originally they were born there. Now the, the, like on the ship I worked on, the command crew was all born on Ceres. They were Germans that were from Ceres colony, but the Ceres colony itself came from Earth. The, you know, they were so descendants Ceres of people that were had all Earthlings. Do, do you have yes. any history on when that was Which set Taylor? up? Taylor. Oops. 
not a lot. They had their own history. Uh, there were times that I overheard conversations about it, um, as far as a real, you know, about certain subjects of their history there. But I didn't really get an education on what was going on. Uh, I can tell you just from experience that the wear and tear on the structures in there was old. Like the uh, hangar bay ha had to have been around 60 or 70 years. It had steel beams that were rusted badly. And so it was an older construction. It wasn't something that was recent, you know, in the last 30 years even. It was much older than that. And there was old construction. There were there were buildings in there that looked like they were from the 30s and 40s, like, like an uh, whatever art deco period. You know, there was marble steps and and ornamented buildings they had uh one cavern i like to say i you know i i don't i don't know for sure it was copenhagen but it was a replica of a european city and i want to say it was copenhagen that they had built a replica of a european city exactly inside a giant cavern there on series just for that area and um the rest did, of the place was yeah go ahead or did they speak German or English, or how did you know what they, they were saying? They spoke German, and they had we had there was translator technology, and it only worked in local areas. So on the ship I was in, when we had briefings in the morning, they could turn it on and off. The command would be talking in German, and when they needed to speak to me, for instance, they could hit a switch, and I could understand what they were saying, and they could understand what I was saying. I think they could understand me Thank always, you. but there was an on and off switch. And then it was in the elevator too, in the elevator in the ship. When you, when you walked, I remember standing outside waiting for the elevator and two guys, two officers talking in German and the door opened. We walked inside the door and I could understand what they were saying. And they had to, they had to quit talking all of a sudden because they didn't want <laughs> me to know. So it only worked wow. inside a certain area. And then when we, and then they began talking again. And when the elevator opened and they walked out of the door, it, 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 I heard it as German again. So, and there were other places of guys, there was an Italian guy, a guy from Italy on the ship that spoke only Italian. And they're only like, he, he would come into my work area and we, he, we couldn't, nobody could understand him. He was the only Italian speaker. But then uh, at the end of the day, by the doors, there was an area that had a translation uh, you know, area, translating area. And we would talk to him and say, what was that all about earlier, man? You know, what was, you were, you seemed like you were mad. Were you mad at us earlier? And we would catch up, at, you know, only for a minute or two while we were waiting to get off the ship, there was an area where the translators were working so that the German guard, the German security guards could tell you to move along or do whatever you wanted. It was kind of, it was in that area. Wow. Thank you. I wondered about that. <laughs> uh, Kevin or Kevin, do you have any questions for Tony? Um, feedback. Yeah, Which Kevin, like you're, are you? It's Kevin Estrella. Your time that you were gone was it one entire? Was it just one night or was it? Honestly, uh, like I think it was only. I, uh, I've heard. I've heard people uh, insiders say that they can have you gone and back within fifteen minutes. So the time that you're taken to the time they put you back, tuck you back into bed, only 15 minutes goes by. Um, there, there are, there have been people that in the, um, I know this because they spoke about it around me and didn't think that I knew what they were talking about, but there are people, there was a, there was a, uh, a Marine, uh, that was taken uh, a, my lab Marine and he was taken and gone for three days before he was returned home. And the reason being is because 
when he was up there before he signed the contract, they gave him time to, they said, take all the time you want to think about it. And he waited for three days before he signed the contract and went. And then that was, that was a gap in time that they couldn't bridge. I don't know how the works, if it was rules or a technical reason, but he was gone out of his room. He was missing. And his mom actually had to call the police and everything thought he ran away and he appeared again in three days. But that was because he had the right to say no. You know, I didn't have that. I was in a different, different treatment. So I, 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 it was late at night. I mean, it had to be around 11 or midnight that it began. Um, you know, the phone ringing and there were lights out flashing outside when they came and took me. And I, I was, I woke up at, uh, I think 7 a.m., 6.30 a.m. the next morning and had a normal day and went off to school. Hmm. Uh, did, did you ask? Escape from these guys, or are they still? Or do they still get you? <laughs> you know, you know. I think I've been taken a few times for other things. Um, I think I got followed up on uh, a few times after that, and I think they let me go. And the thing is, um, you know, they can make sure you're sleeping before they walk in the room. There, are, they have technology to. They can come down and put everybody to sleep and from a distance. And so, if they want you to not remember, they can. But um, I think I've been taken a few other times, but not for a 20 and back for follow-up purposes. And Kevin, Kevin is, uh, I think is the one that told me once you're in the program, you're always in a program. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what you just said there, um, same thing. Um, after I went public, I had, um, a reabduction experience in October and then I actually was involved in, um, an operation with Anthony Zender in December. But, um, again, that was outside of the 20 and back. That was, um, just for like one night. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you got to think you're ideal because you've already been programmed. You know, you've already, you've already, they already have all your medical info. You've already been conditioned for, for the service. Um, you know, I have lots of other uh, hunches, but I don't really talk about them because really they're just hunches. Uh, it's one of those. It's one of those things. I well, I, I, I share stuff. Well, I was gonna say I got a friend who, um, you know, he was he was in the program too, and uh, you know, it was his his wife was the one who was frustrated when she, um, you know, she would clean the kitchen, you know, clean the kitchen floors, you know, at nighttime. And every every you know every like every morning they'd be covered in dirt and stuff like that, and um, he would you know he'd be gone, and he'd come in the house with his with his uh, dirty boots, and his 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 child was always wondering why his father was having a shower you know like three o'clock in the morning, um, and the and he the only way for him to know how long he was gone was by how long his fingernails grew overnight. Oh wow! So he was gone for a long long time. Yeah, so that's the only way he was able to keep track of how long he was gone. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I have a comment on the 15 minutes. Uh, my girlfriend, uh, Teresa J. Morris, my uh, BFF, she says that when they return you, they're, you're missing 15 minutes, and, and they're not sure how to make that up. But that happens, you're missing the 15 minutes. Is that yeah, I mean, right? As far as, yeah, you're gone out of, like, you know, I was a kid, I was a nine-year-old kid in bed, and a gray came in my room, and a couple reptiles picked me up and carried me to the end of the bed, and there was a flash of light, and I was gone. And then I would assume 15 minutes later, or a half hour later, another flash of light, and they brought me back. 
at which point I was unconscious and put me right back into bed. Um, during that time, during those years, there were many times that I woke up with strange stuff like uh, my attic open in my room, you know, which was not something that would happen on its own. There's no way it could happen like that. My attic would be open or I would wake up and, you know, the, the nosebleeds and, and just weird right. stuff, waking, waking up somewhere else with your pillow on the ground. And like I said, it, they start to, they start to get crazy where you where they're hunches. They start to sound crazy. So a lot I'd of that stuff, you hunches. just take I note of. Uh, you know what? I think your, your hunches, I think your hunches are probably uh, uh, right on. Uh, you know, uh, I'd really like to hear some of your hunches. I'm, I'm fairly sure that the air force took me and interrogated me in, um, Geez, I could look up the date. I wrote it down. It's in emails. But like at the end of 16 that I was interrogated. And the interesting thing with that was I had to go and bounce that off some other researchers was does the Air Force military industrial program, did they have time dilation tech? And researchers said that, yes, they have to believe that they do because they, you know, the, I'm talking about the lower one, the lower um, military mm-hmm. industrial one that they must have had time if when they took whoever took me had time dilation tech because i was interrogated for like 18 hours and they they were sleep deprived i was i was given injections and tied up for like 18 hours and they kept keeping me awake pouring water on me and and uh they and i said look i'm cooperating with i told them everything i it's not like i was um what do you call it combative i i was totally cooperative with them through the whole process, but just it's just the, their method of that. There's a there's a way that they do it where they they kind of have to have to give some kind of torture to it. But they kept me up for 18 hours. And they said, and at the end, this is what I remember: is them saying, "Okay, man, you did good. Uh, we're gonna get you. You can get finally get some sleep." And they untied me and took me out. And I remember that. And I remember waking up the next morning in my bed, and it had only been one night. I remember going to bed and then waking up. So I ha- I had to have been gone. And then put back in time as well. You know, it uh, sounds like you mu- uh, you must have got skills, strengths, and knowledge that you wouldn't have gotten if you didn't have this other experience. I wondered how those transferred into the life of a of a little kid. Well, the I you know okay, so I didn't believe in psychic healers either until I went public until my story came out, and then I had so many people that could say, you know, I'm an energy worker, I'm a psychic worker, can I work on you? And I said, oh, okay, you know, like, what harm is that going to do? And then it's actually some, there are some people on the earth right now that are very powerful, psychically gifted people. And I believe me, I've had, I've had my eyes opened to that. There are people that have very strong abilities. And I've worked with a couple um, over since this time. And, and the one, the one said, she said, you know, I asked her why, you know, I always thought that everybody was remotely psychic. I always thought that everybody could dream the few dream the next day. Like I do. But I did intuitive service, and they, the MK Ultra stuff had uh, groomed me into the Theta program uh, for being for doing remote viewing and future viewing and things, and so I was left with a tinge of it. And what she said was that uh, they opened doors in me that weren't supposed to be opened through that experience. So that's why I remember. Um, that's basically what happened. Is uh, you know I have weird experiences. Uh, I, I guess with myself, you know, with my higher self that I got in touch with during that, but on an industrial level, you know, with, 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 um, you know, uh, military grade, uh, I guess, uh, 
empowerment into my own psychic ability, mm-hmm. which I don't have. Like yeah. I said, I'm a, nor- I'm a pretty normal guy. And so, um, I, it's kind of like a side effect of it, of that going through that left me with that side effect of a, of a, of a tinge of intuition still. Wow. So, um, Kevin Tribble, tell yep. us about how you, what commonalities have you found with each other in your stories and what differences? Uh, sure, I can kind of do uh, a nutshell of my experiences as well, and um, there are certain yes, points uh-huh. that um, line up with um, Tony's uh, uh, experiences as well. Um, just right off the bat, uh, the first uh, time they, they took me when uh, when I was uh, bicycling in a forest uh, in Cambridge, Ontario, and I got off my bicycle and then um, uh, to take a break, and then I looked up and uh, the, the white TR3 was um, already flying overhead and it was just above the treetop, so like less than 500 feet. And uh, I could I could actually see um, faintly paneling on it. And um, I looked up at it and uh, it was it was moving at a very slow like walking pace. So I actually was able to walk my bicycle and and like keep up with it. And I, I walked down the trail um, for about five or ten minutes and then uh, it uh, the trail opened up into a field, and um, when, when I got to the field, the, the, the craft started to rise uh, up into the air, and um, when it did that, I um, got hit with a wave of nausea, and it was like vertigo, and um, I had to, like, drop my bicycle and fall backwards and just into the grass and just sit there, and, like, it, just like vertigo, where you lose your equilibrium and everything's spinning, so I put my head between my legs, and I thought I was going to throw up, and I realized... Um, later, uh, after doing some research, that um, that that's actually the moment where they picked me up and dropped me back off, and, I, and that's why I got hit with that no- nauseous feeling when they actually physically grabbed me. And um, but um, just like what Tony said, uh, the time it took them like uh, to to pick me up and drop me off, um, there was about a 15 minute window there of like walking under the craft, and the craft goes up into the air. I get hit with the nausea, and then I'm sitting there. Um, like I, I felt like really, really bad for, um, you know, a window of time. And then it took me a couple hours to actually like feel strong enough and well enough to actually walk myself out of there. It really, when they took me, it was, um, maybe a different technology, but, uh, it, uh, it left me feeling like incredibly nauseous. Um, so there's definitely a window of time where, uh, if I guess if someone was watching, um, I would have like, I would have been standing there and then I would have blinked in and out. And, and there would have been a window of time where, like, I wasn't there, and then I would have blinked right back. And I, I use the, uh, the word blink on purpose because when you blink in and out, it's literally as fast as you blink. And um, I've actually seen that before um, uh, when I was on the TR3. Um, a memory I have is uh, we were picking someone up, and I was able to look over at the view screen at the front of the craft, and I saw um, uh, a gentleman uh, standing in a field talking on a cell phone. And then next thing I know, like as fast as I could blink, he was sitting beside me in the craft in the chair, and it startled me because uh, it happened so fast. Like like just like blinking, and then someone appears right beside you. It actually startled me, like and uh, just like someone's um, sneaking up on you. Um, so, uh, yeah, like in terms of physically grabbing you, it's it's just a flash of light, and um, and then they keep blinking in and out. But um, there there is a window of time. Um, that you're gone, a short window. Um, and uh, 
but yeah, just moving forward with my my timeline, I uh, I remember I was uh, we were taken to the Arctic first, and um, I just I don't really remember what the inside of the base looked like because um, all I remember is flying into a sinkhole in the Arctic and flying into a side chamber that had been cut out of um, the rock, and um, and uh, so I know they definitely took us there first, but um, I uh, like I'm still getting bleed through. I'm still pretty young. Usually the bleed through happens when you're like in your thirties, when, when it starts to break down, I'm, I'm 29. So it's, I'm just on the cusp, but, um, but, uh, what I do remember, I do remember the LOC, the moon base. Absolutely. I remember flying into it. I remember getting off the craft and, uh, uh, me and some other people got shown into a corridor and there is already, um, like at least 30 people lined up in this corridor, standing at ease, staring at the wall blankly, and they lined us up and just told us to wait. And we waited there for uh, at least 45 minutes to an hour, just standing there. Um, and then they uh, showed us into like a classroom, and that was orientation. And I remember them teaching classes at the LOC, um, and it was it looked like just a regular classroom with a projector screen. And um, they were teaching us about uh, the different xenotypes of, of uh, beings we might encounter. They were teaching us um, like about the different densities of matter and uh, megahertz levels um, uh, having to do with both humans and ETs. And um, yeah, so that was at the did LOC. They, did they mention any particular hertz and birth, like specifically? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, most humans resonate between... Um, uh, 60 and 70 megahertz, but they did make a point that um, due to, uh, but that's like uh, people who are in optimal health, um, people who um, have um, degenerative or chronic diseases for whatever reason, including parasites and fungal infections uh, might be resonating at like 50 megahertz or lower. Uh, cancer is like uh, 30 to 40 megahertz range and so on. So they explain that it, um, it's a sliding scale based on your health. Um, and they explain that like a fourth density being is still physical, except um, it's fully uh, it's fully telepathic. And the reason for that is because it's megahertz level. Um, and they explain that your megahertz is, has to do with like your auric field and that um, a fourth density being is residing at, at, at 350 megahertz at least. So um, their aura is so big. And, 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 and powerful that um, that's how they're able to do the entrainment. And um, they're literally, once you're within their field, um, they can lock eyes with you and they can read you energetically. They know everything about you, including your memories, your state of health, uh, your like everything. And then uh, they explain the entrainment process um, where uh, you would basically uh, be pulled into, you feel like you're getting pulled into their eyes. And um, that's when they can actually not just read information, they can also give you information, like a, like a psychic uh, downloads and and, um, and even um, talk, like literally make you hear voices, but it's their voice talking in your head. So that's the entrainment process, but they explain how that was physically possible. It had to do with their uh, auric field being at like 350 megahertz. Um, but then uh, after the moon, um, we were taken to Mars, and that was more like physical training. That was... Uh, uh, like key gong type stuff, um, but it was uh, done in swimming pools, um, and it had to do with um, uh, like doing the energy work. Um, the pool kind of acted like this medium, the water, 
uh, to kind of help you visualize and work with the energy more so because you could literally create like a energy bubble around you as you were going through like the Tai Chi Qigong type motions um, and uh, water being kind of like fluidic space you're able to kind of like work with the energy a lot easier in the water in terms of learning how to do that and actually uh, move the energy um, and we are we are also taught remote viewing on Mars as well um, and uh, that was actually um, as strange as it sounds uh, they were Templars. They wore white robes, uh, didn't have the iron cross on it, just white robes. Uh, but they they were Templars, uh, and uh, it was that's where things got more strange because it had to do more with like um, like kind of like I, I kind of blocked that out, but it had to do with uh, like they would give us these like drugs. And it was almost like an ecstasy or something where you just get like these these waves of you're getting hit with like these waves of serotonin and you're just like you're like peaking. And then as you're peaking, um, they would have you uh, they put the piece of paper in front of you and uh, they write coordinates on it to do remote viewing. But they would give you drugs so that uh, and, and, and you'd have a spotter that was getting you to, to, to focus on the coordinates as you were peaking on the drugs. And that, again, they understand how the megahertz works. And, and I guess if if you're. Uh, if they can induce um, uh, massive serotonin release in the body using drugs, it just amps up your psychic abilities so that you can just immediately get out of body. And if you have a spotter that keeps you focused on the coordinates, um, you can literally um, describe like what someone else is wearing in, in another room. Um, so that was like the remote viewing stuff. And then um, did they ever do anything with LSD? I'm not sure if it was LSD. Uh, I feel like it was because it wasn't like we, we didn't get any weird. Um, it was like a physical sensation. It was like a body buzz. It was like a, these ripples go through you and you just feel like this wave of euphoria. And then you would focus on the coordinates. But we didn't get any like, uh, you know, like psychedelic like uh, visuals. It was just like a feeling. And you would just get like these little insights in your mind as you were focusing on the coordinates. And you would just say like, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing like this person, or I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. Uh, but it was in your mind's eye. It wasn't like you're actually seeing it, you know, like hallucinating. Um, so it was a little different. But um, but then, yeah, after after Mars, because um, I was used as a as an empath, um, then my recalls have to do with uh, them actually putting me in rooms with different kinds of beings um, to do the entrainment. Except it was more more like the being would do the entrainment on me and um, being an, like an intuitive empath, I would just be prepped to allow it to do so. And then there would be this exchange um, and uh, they would basically give me downloads and then I'd file reports uh, um, because it was like a nonverbal communication. So I'd have to try to put what the being had told me in a download um, in, into words and then relay that to the, the, like the commanding officer. Um, so that, that's pretty much it in a, in a nutshell. Hey, was it just one way, or, 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 or were you able to download stuff to them, too? Were, were they listening to you and your concerns also? Uh, yeah, I, would, I was able to also talk to them, um, like a two-way communication. I would say they were talking, like, 80% of the time, and then sometimes I, was, I could ask, like, a question or say something to direct the conversation because um, sometimes these beings had actually been captured, and um, they would send in um, an empath. And usually the empaths are um, non-military. They're civilian assets, and that's for a reason. And the reason is they actually don't want someone trained as a soldier. 
um, to be put into a room with a, something that's captured because uh, um, uh, the, the being can read your entire energy. So they don't want someone who's trained to kill, trained to use weapons, and would fight instead of flight, right? Um, mm -hmm. So it's like the good cop, bad cop, literally. And um, so... Because they would also send in the the military guys to do a more like typical um, interrogation, but they they'd send in the empath, and um, and and we would still be in uniform, but we we don't have any um, uh, like medals or, or um, rank. We don't have a rank, so they could tell that we're non-military. We're just given like a guest uniform, and they could read us, and we know they know that we're like not a killer, and um, we're the good cop, and it would talk to us, and we would be receptive. And that was like that, that was half of the interrogation, and the other part of the interrogation, they'd send in the actual military guys to press them for stuff. Were they suffering? Were these beings suffering? They uh, they look scared. They definitely look scared for sure. What kind of beings were they? One was a long nose gray. Uh, it was quite nasty actually it still looks scared but it was also very very like energy wise very nasty and also just visually to look at it looked like a gray but had this big bump coming out of its nose like where her nose would be um and it looked it looked uh it looked uh, scary because it ha also had uh, more like reptilian looking eyes as well and it, it that was the one that st stuck out the most because it uh, almost looked like a goblin but it was definitely gray skinned alien uh like a, like an alien gray um, but not your typical gray. And that thing, it still looks scared, but it it was, uh, I was also afraid because it was how, of how scary it looked to me. Hmm. Wow. This is fascinating. Um, so you bet you were, did you tell the reptilian story, the velociraptor? Uh, yeah, yeah, um, on Mars as well. Um, this, this is strange too because um, um, uh, usually the being was already in the room and I would go in and it was already in the room. This time it was, I was in the room first. And what was also strange is it, w it looked like a regular break room with four tables set up and there was a counter with a sink and, and they just said, uh, the individual will be with you shortly over the intercom. And, uh, and so I just thought it would be a regular person, like a commanding officer to, to talk with me. And, um, instead the door opens and, uh, a raptor and it looked exactly like the Jurassic park raptor except it had more like arms and hands and it comes in and it, and it walks towards me and I instinctively um, uh, jumped up on the counter and, 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 and just because for some reason I felt so afraid that I, I wanted to get higher up than it. It was like this uh, reflex where like uh, the flight kicked in and I know that wouldn't do anything, but it's funny how the body will react in, in extreme situations and before you can even think. So without thinking, I just jumped up onto the counter and I said to it telepathically, please don't hurt me. And it actually said to me, uh, like telepathically, it said, it's okay. And, um, um, but that, that was also, um, pretty extreme and, uh, I can't remember the rest of the conversation. It just goes blank, probably from the fear, but I think it did something to calm me down. I know what you mean about uh, about knee jerk reactions. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, like like I, it's funny because like, what's that going to do if a, a raptor walks in the room? You jump up on the counter like 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 seeing a mouse, <laughs> scary, you know? Well, like a mouse. Sometimes they take sometimes the things take you for you know take you by surprise. I mean, I had this crazy telepathic uh, hello a few weeks ago. I was unexpecting it. Um, you know, I was in the process of trying to fall back asleep again, 
I have my eyes closed and I'm halfway between asleep and awake when all of a sudden with my eyes closed this three-dimensional Zeta face appeared about two feet from my face and I wasn't expecting it I, I literally jumped on the other side of my bed right you know? yeah you don't have, have control over that <laughs> I mean it was amazing it was freaking crazy but I know what you mean you know your body it's a fight or flight thing you know you, sometimes you can't, you can't control it yeah, definitely. It's the intelligence of the body. It has its own intelligence, and it can do things uh, in those extreme situations before the mind can, you know, be the interpreter. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. By the way, you and I are not that far away. I live in Hamilton. Oh no way! Yeah, I'm. Um, well, actually, I'm. I'm. I moved just outside of Chatham now, but uh, that's cool. You're in southern Ontario. That right on. <laughs> do you know Grant Cameron? Grant Cameron. Uh, yeah, like the UFO researcher guy. Yeah. yeah. He keeps, yeah, he keeps telling me, you got to get in touch with Kevin Trimble. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, now I get it. That's funny. Oh, good. This is synchronistic, then. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Great. Okay, so, uh, Tony, back to you. Do you have any feedback or comments on what um, Kevin just said? Kevin you Trimble. see, I, lo- I love hearing more and more from Kevin. And <clears throat> what I... Uh, I hear a lot. I have friends of mine that uh, listen to my stuff. Oh, hold that thought. Is that a commercial? This is a commercial break. I will. Back I will. In about five minutes. Okay. were not quite right, that everything was just ever so slightly askew. Do you have, to paraphrase Morpheus, a splinter in your mind? If you're interested in hearing the latest information about UFOs, the paranormal, ancient cultures and structures, monatomic elements, longevity, fantastic discoveries in science, download it to your brain, then tune in to us. Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Mackie. And we are Shiny Side Out, Sundays, 2 to 4 a.m. Eastern. See you then. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Join me weekdays for my new show, Tell Chris Joe. It's going to be a problem show brought to you live from Kensington. Thursdays, I'm dealing with hot topics, heated debate, what's new around the world, and ring-ins to discuss listeners' problems and offering considered and heartfelt solutions. So join me, Chris Hart, for Tell Chris Joe. Stop what you're doing, grab a cup of tea, and coming live from Kensington. Relax, let me entertain you with a coffee bar online. Listeners, very personal problems. So that's Thursdays, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. See you there. It's going to be lots of fun. 
Is your data safe? Do you have the necessary information to assist you in confidently living through just about any survival situation? Is survival and gardening, off-grid living, medical knowledge, or even natural or man-made EMPs on your list of personal concerns? Do you have your documents and your personal information in a safe place in your hands where you know where it is? Well, check out our preloaded EMP-proof thumb drive. Over 3 gigs of survival documents and how-tos, plus the USDA offline food preservation website, and much, much more, including a surprise bonus we just can't tell you about here. With plenty of room left over to store your most important documents. Imagine if a mega virus or a computer failure took out your bank, or all the banks for that matter. Are your banking records safe in your hands so when they get things fixed and repaired, you can say, hey, look, this is what I had. You have it. I want it back. Is your personal data safe? Family records? Addresses? phone numbers we'll squeeze on over to freedomslips.com yes that's www.freedomslips.com click the banner on the homepage for the emp proof bullet drive to get the full scoop of everything that we offer so folks keep your data safe for your peace of mind revolution radio freedomslips.com you don't need to expect us we're already here Looking for a nightcap to fill your listening needs? Come join us on Spaced Out Radio with me, Dave Scott, right here on Revolution Radio. Monday through Friday for three hours a night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, we will take you down the supernatural path. From ET contact to the paranormal and all of the spiritual, cryptid, and conspiracy stories in between, you can find us right here on Revolution Radio at spacedoutradio.com, on Twitter at spacedoutradio, and on Facebook at spacedoutradio show. Spaced Out Radio, it's a night of talk and interaction. Are you experienced? The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. don't think Janet's back yet. <laughs> Aloha, this is, should be Janet Kiralis and uh, telling yeah, you this that is, you should... Uh, this, is, this is Janet talking to uh, the air with her, her thing on mute, so sorry about that. So anyway, yes, it's Janet Kiralisson on Stargate the Cosmos with a panel with Dr. Sasha Alex Lesson, producer Thomas Becker is here today. We've got Kevin Estrella and Tony Rodriguez and Kevin Trimmel, and we're talking about the secret space program and everything that goes on there that blows your mind. But before we get back to this show, I'd like to remind everybody to go over to the donation button on revolution.radio, and please make your donation tonight. We really need your donations, and anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Mad Painter, how are we in our count uh, we got right around uh, thirteen fifty or so, and we need twenty six fifty. So we're still pretty low. 
very low. Okay, so, you know, even a dollar, even five, anything you can spare, please donate. So we were in the middle of this incredible conversation, and I was curious to know more about them. permission. So what I've heard from other experiencers is that they find that on some level they gave permission, even though on another level it's like, I didn't agree to this. Have uh, any of you, we can just go round table here, um, realize that on some level you gave permission for these things to happen. And um, we'll just kind of go popcorn. Who wants to speak up first? I'll, I'll just I mean, say, I'll just say quickly. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll just say yeah. quickly. Um, I, I don't. Like personally, I don't believe in the whole I gave permission thing. Um, I don't believe that at all. Um, I was taken. I mean, I was 19 years old. I was bicycling on my way to college, first semester of college, normal life up until that point in the prime of my life. I mean, that's a big year going, you know, first year of college. And like Tony said, I was forever changed after that. And I actually ended up having to drop out of college because of that experience. So, no, I, I did not give permission. Um, and I think the reason why they took me had to do with um, uh, the fact that my uh, great uncle Bill um, served in the Navy uh, as a communications officer, and he also served in Korea, and he was a Freemason, and um, he had passed away um, a couple years prior, and I inherited his Mason rings. I'm not a Mason myself, but um, being the eldest nephew, um, I inherited his rings, uh, his medals, his war medals and everything um, went to his daughter, but I got the, the Mason rings. And um, so I think I was just next in line. And that's that's their belief system and their religion. And they took me because I was the, the eldest ma male heir uh, in the Masonic tradition. Um, and they uh, they grabbed me because uh, of my um, uncle's involvement, um, which is something I'm still looking into. But anyway, just that's that's my like my short answer on that. Hmm. What? Great. That we should add that uh, the connection uh, with the military and the connection with the Masons. So, okay, you're, next person. You're, you're, uh, well, um, listen. It's still an interesting question to ask. If you had chosen this experience for your own growth and development, or or for the benefit of humanity, just if you were to pretend that you unconsciously had chosen all the, to be born a mason's uh descendant if you had chosen all these things uh for your own betterment and evolvement and the evolvement of humanity what would be the purpose of you know uh, why did you do this for to yourself what are you giving yourself and 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 the world by doing it well um the, the secret space program, the human level secret space program of which I was abducted into um they do uh it it's not to the benefit of humanity. They're, um, they are actually suppressing uh, human evolution and keeping us like beasts on the farm. They're like literally keeping us under the dome. That was the whole purpose of Solar Warden was to monitor all the ingoing, outgoing craft and um, to ensure that uh, they contain the ET um, component from the uh, from the regular human uh, surface population or secular humanism. And um, so it's not to the benefit of humanity, but in terms of myself, um, yeah, I guess um, I'm stronger for it in the sense like what Tony was talking about, how they on, they brought out certain abilities and opened certain doors that um, shouldn't shouldn't have been or wouldn't have been open uh, like if I had just been allowed to evolve naturally um, without being um, manipulated, I, I wouldn't have like those doors opened. So I do have certain abilities because of um, like what I went through, and it's also made me like completely... Um, you know, like, 
one of those ones that can see, like to use the analogy and like they live like now because of what I went through, like I got the sunglasses and like I can see all the programming and, and um, I also have the, 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 the traits that um, they brought out in me. Um, so I guess it jumpstart my evolution. Um, but, um, but at what cost, you know, because uh, I, I do believe on a soul level, I came here to have a human experience and they hijacked that human experience. So now I didn't have a regular human experience. That's pretty well said. Uh, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to answer with my with my side of things. Um, he's absolutely right about that, and um, you know, we uh, the, the only thing we can take away from that is is look at what's going on now. Like maybe you maybe on some level that you don't realize you volunteered to help out with the disclosure with doing exactly what we're doing tonight, and that's by letting people yeah. know that it goes on because that's how they've gotten away with it for so long is. Nobody knows. They, they're just so good at hiding it. But in my case, when they, they did ask me for permission, and I did grant permission, but I was under no, I was in no way informed on what was going to happen. They didn't tell me that I was going to be enslaved and do 20 years of hard labor and be abused the way that I was. They just said that I was going to help them. They said, can you help us? We want you to help us. And you're going to go for 20 years. They had to, and it was a it was a rule of theirs. So I, I you know, they they when they originally took me, I'm laying in a um, sitting on a table in a laboratory at some base with a gray and a reptile, and they were waiting on a DNA um, test. They did like a biopsy on me, and they sent it away for the test. And we had you know a number of minutes, 30 minutes, and they were waiting. And um, when it came back, they said, okay, we can use him. Uh, one, go ahead. And he, you got to get his permission. And I was a nine-year-old oh. kid that I was a nine-year-old kid that thought I was in a first contact situation. I thought that I was going to go home the next morning and tell the world, my parents and the world, that aliens existed because we had been seeing them on TV. I watched, you know, the old show Star Wars and uh, Buck Rogers and all that. So I thought that yes, you know, we're, there's finally aliens. We're going to we're going to tell. So I was excited. He said, "We need your help. I need to get your permission. We're going to take. You're going to go for 20 years." And I said, "No, I can't be away from my parents that long." Like, there's no way. And he explained to me that there was going to be time travel involved and everything would be just fine. And I would go home the next morning and it, I wouldn't miss my parents at all. And I could tell them about what happened. He lied on that account. And they also were manipulative in the purpose that I was being taken. He just said, help. Are you going to come help us? Well, help it can mean many different things. So, you know, was permission asked and given? Yes, in the strictest sense. So they get away with it. Was it moral? Was it the right? Was it why that reason? You know, it was the letter of the law defeating the spirit of the law at that point because I was misled right. in what was what was going on. And I'm sure, I, Kevin, I bet even if you don't remember it, I'm sure you had the same kind of spiel at some point thread to you. You know, you might not remember it, but I'll, I'll bet when they took you in the very beginning, the first time you were conscious and they were talking to you, they slipped it in there. Like, so do you mind helping us for a little bit? Yeah, or some, you know, some some coy phrase that gave them permission to stop the the more advanced benevolent uh, beings of the universe to step in and crack them on the head for for breaking that law. It's a law, you know. For, yeah, there is yeah, a permission law. Yeah, there totally. Is a permission yeah, law. because um, the like the whole cell uh, that they give to the solar warden people is that uh, we're protecting the Earth from uh, ET interlopers that are coming here to steal resources and also steal steal people. Um, for the human slave trade, so you got like like a form of piracy going on, where where ETs come in and abduct people, 
and or they might even come here just to um, grab like uh, resources like water and um, and uh, they're basically stealing from us and uh, they're also endangering human uh, like uh, lives and also endangering um, like the whole um, concept of like uh, the American dream you know people just going uh, going about their lives not aware of this stuff um, they they you know they're trying to protect people that's what they would tell like the solar warning people is like we're, we're protecting people because they can't handle the truth you know right but, yeah how did how did you two get break through the there all this programming what made you two different that you could get out of it uh well uh well i think you know i love hearing kevin's account because it's so much different than than mine but yet again we have a lot of similarities i think that he experienced something he was taken differently he lived a different existence up there, and he was put back differently than I was. But we were both kind of left with the same side effects, and that's how that's kind of how what I recognized in him. We we both had the same side effects in our lives from the experience because we both have memory because we both have the ability to access those memories, and not everybody does. And some, uh, you know, I I think that there are lots of people that are taken that don't have a shred of memory. They go up there and come back, and they don't remember anything about it. They do still have bad hab. They still pick up a bad habit, or or have some kind of uh, emotional side effect from from the experience, from the trauma of it. But everybody does nowadays. I mean, look at how they traumatize. You know, the whole world is is dysfunctional at some at some on some level. There are very few really emotionally healthy people walking around right now. There really aren't. And so it blends right in. It blends right in. You don't. You just think, okay, well, I'm just a little more screwed up than the next person, you know. <laughs> one, of, one of my uh, one of my friends uh, who was in the in the program um, when they when they inducted him into the program and they put him into a young age, what they did was they um, used torture to eventually split his personalities. And you know, he had his real name, and then he had this other pseudonym, like you know, Joseph seventy four oh six. And so they completely, you know, split his personality, and that was the personality who was the one who was, uh, you know, taken to this Saturn Saturn training base to learn how to fly uh, craft. And he had a partner and all this kind of stuff, and he also served on Mars. But eventually, he reached a point where he he snapped and he went crazy, and they end up um, having to release him. Does this sound familiar? That's exactly what I went through. I went through the trauma-based mind control exactly like that, and uh, you know it's an ongoing it's an ongoing uh, project of mine to really adopt, to really deal with things that I was programmed during that experience. I don't even really know how long it lasted. The trauma-based mind control, the personality splitting stuff. I eventually healed from it because it was only it was in the early years, and later on in my twenty and back, I was just an emotional emotionally weak person and I still kind of am about certain things but I, I wasn't anything close to what I am now back then um, but I did heal from that I did have healing but I'm still remembering things you know honestly bad things that they put me through in that situation that guy probably went on to an assignment that was further traumatic you know whatever he did on Saturn it sounds like he was exposed to actually real trauma as well, he was where, hired to do some really horrible things that 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 in, in, you know involved um, astral travel and um, kind of like um, killing people. In, yeah, this, in, see, that would be my guess. And shit like that, you know. 
Well, and, and after, believe me, I, 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 I know what it feels like to have been broken by that program. It, it's a, it's a break. It breaks you. And, um, it's not something I, I'm still dealing with. It. I'm still healing from that today, even though they put me back and, and tried to erase all the memories of that trauma. It's, it reaches you on a, on a more of a spiritual level. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they are really, like I said, though, that's exactly what I was talking about when I said they opened doors that they shouldn't do because they're dealing with your soul at that point. These are technologies yeah. that are manipulating people's souls to do yeah. things, to do a job, to do a different job. So he did that and his soul never really had uh, a chance to heal. Whereas mine, I, I was a kind of a weaker, um, a, my abilities were kind of weaker than that. I didn't have the ability to kill somebody. Um, so and it faded once I hit puberty in that tw- in the twenty back when I hit puberty I'd lost the ability so they put me into the labor side of things I went into labor so I was able to heal from it somewhat um, but yeah that's exactly what they did to me um, as for Kevin I don't know I think that he went through a different kind of uh, well he went through an educational programming so you know, yeah uh, yeah there was um, there was some like. Uh, trauma-based stuff, um, like with the Templars, they did some like SRA type stuff. And I honestly, I just kind of choose to block that stuff out. Um, I like, I, you know, like people like Tony and, and others who um, have the courage to actually talk about the abuse. Um, like uh, that, I think that's amazing. But uh, for me, um, I feel like I, I, it's not something that I necessarily have to go into, right? And I find for me, like, I just, I kind of block that part out. Um, but um, that, but um, that actually happened when they loaned us out to the ICC because um, the ICC, uh, they were facilitating our training because Solar Warden didn't have um, uh, enough uh, uh, personnel to actually train uh, all their assets. It's actually a very small, like, skeleton-type crew that actually does that specific job, and they actually outsource their training to uh, facilities on Mars, which are owned by private uh, corporations and um, secret societies as well. And um, so when they loaned us out, um, we were being trained in like uh, remote viewing, uh, Qigong, um, all this energy type stuff. But then the SRA and the drugs um, was also a part of it. So basically, um, they uh, when we were loaned out, we were abused and we were they did do the, the fracturing of the mind um, through um, trauma um, and the solar warden. Um, they were aware of it, but they were kind of indifferent because they're like, well, if it works, you know. And they can, you know, and also they weren't directly abusing us. They were just loaning us out. And when they got the finished product back and it, and it worked, they, it was, you know, the end justifies the means, right? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. You know, you got to think about it like this. The duality of the situation is that it's a functional technology. You know, as horrible as it is, as karma, karmically poisonous as it is to whoever does it or however they do it, you know, and, and you have to be a pretty sick person in the first place to be the doctor in the room torturing little kids. Um, but it works. That's the thing. Uh, and it's a very powerful tool. They are able to access dead people, dead and knowledge of the future and knowledge of the past that is unseen. They're able to access reliably psychic information and they can turn it on with a switch on and off. So that's a very, very powerful technology, a very advanced thing that they're doing, that they're getting, you know, the, the pay, the payback, the reward is very great for the trauma-based so, stuff. 
So that brings up a very good point. You're saying they access the realm of the dead and people that are dead. Uh, do you yeah. know anything more about that? How are they doing that? Well, what ha- what they were what? So when I went through it, they test they test you as you go, and, and toward the end, um, what, what okay? The, what I ended up doing my first station, my first service was, um, they would put an IV in my arm, and I would lose consciousness. And when I woke up, everybody standing in the room would be amazed, and um, so they put me in Peru in Puerto. Tawantinsuyo, Peru, and that was a river town on the interior in the jungle area of Peru, a river town. And they were shipping cocaine from there to Santa Marta, Colombia. And they had lost one of their planes in bad weather. And so they put me down on the next plane. They put a new plane down there and put me on it. There was money that traded hands for me to be there. And when we got up in the air, there was I had a handler, the only guy in the village that spoke English. He was younger. He's like in his early 20s. And he had to learn how to put an IV in my arm, and he had to learn how to do it. He had a book, a manual, a field manual on how to operate me. And he wrapped me up in a silver blanket to block the EM waves from the airplane's uh, instruments. He would wrap me up in a silver mesh, uh, you know, an EMF blocker, and put an IV in my arm. I'd lose consciousness. And he didn't believe that I was going to do anything. He was abusive to me. And the very first time that I worked... When I woke up on the way back, he said he spoke to his grandmother, his dead grandmother, and he said I spoke fluent Spanish while I was under. And I, I don't know Spanish to this day. You know, I know a few words, you know, like anybody. But he was able to access dead people, and I was a canary. I would, I had the ability to let them know if there were going to be police or bad weather. They I, apparently they got lost in the weather one time, and I told them where what altitude to fly to and what direction to go. And I talked them out of the storm. And when I went back, I was a hero after everybody in the town heard about what happened. I was kind of a hero to them, but they didn't, nobody talked to me because I was crazy. I would, you know, I, I would have fits of, for no reason, I would just break into tears or just have, you know, I was, I was kind of off at that point because the trauma stuff was brand new. It was, I, there was no, there was a healing. You can heal from the trauma based stuff, but it takes a very long, I am still healing to this day. You know, when I'm 46 years old, I was taken when I was 9 to 20 years and then came back and did another 30, 36 years, 37 years. So, I mean, it's been a long time. I'm still dealing with it, man. I really am. And um, Can so you I, what message you delivered to uh, him from his grandmother? No, he never, he never said, what did, what did she say? I did say that. So what did she say? And he wouldn't tell me. He was just like, blown. he couldn't believe it himself. He was. He was having a hard time internalizing it. And we, oh. anyhow, we did those flights for once a month. It happened monthly. And the, 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 he had, by the end, but there were times when he had an entire piece of paper. Like they had the weather report and knew that it was going to be an uneventful flight. There was a certain medicine that he gave me, or a, there was a certain drug that he gave me that they only had, they had to keep it refrigerated. So they only had it a couple months at a time. And then it would be shipped down to them. For whatever whatever they were giving me, I don't know what it was, but so there were times when he they knew it was going to be a safe flight, and he had questions from people in the village written down on paper that he was going to ask me when I was under, and I I didn't pay any attention to it. I was deathly ill when I woke up, and I would be sick the whole next day and just feel like I was going to die, um, you know, the the following day, and they put me. I had a room with a black and white TV that I lived in when after the flight was over in the village. I hope they at least give you but a bottle of tequila. 
Jeez. Yeah, there was none of that. Oh, and I wasn't allowed to have sugar. No sugar uh, was the other thing. There was no, I wasn't allowed to eat anything sweet. So I don't know why, but these are things that for people out there that practice whatever their own psychic awareness stuff. The silver mesh blanket was a technology, was a, something that was real, and cutting out the sugar was real. Uh, the ayahuasca diet that shamans uh, recommend uh, is sugarless. Really? Yeah. Have you ever done ayahuasca? Are you asking me? Sure. Oh, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm, talk I'm talking to uh, Tony. <laughs> oh, you guys still there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're still here. Sorry, I took a call there. They asked. Out. Oh, okay. Did you ever try ayahuasca? They're asking. Who, me? No. Nope. Uh, I've never had any contact with any of that stuff. You know, and I, I'm not really a. Um, I've never really, like I said, I've just been a normal guy, you know, chasing girls and going and having a couple beers with my friends. That's been my life. I have a normal Midwestern life that I grew up into. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be exposed to this stuff if I had lived through it myself. And, and so once I started doing that, I'm, st I'm still I'm still learning these. You know, I, tonight, I, you know, listening to Kevin, I've learned a lot just listening to what he said, had to say, too. I, I like hearing that stuff, too. I got a question yeah, for you Kevin's both. Cool. A question for you guys, because um, uh, my my friend who um, who is in this program as well, I want to see if you guys are were uh, experienced with this kind of technology. Um, it was some kind of R and R technology that they would they would actually let them uh, use to uh, escape, which is some kind of like metal chair. And when they they sit in the heat, sit in this chair, and it was basically like living in a virtual like reality where he could go anywhere he wanted and you know do whatever he wanted with whoever, if you know what I mean. Have you experienced anything like that? I might have seen people using it. Um, the bridge crew had chairs that kind of did that. They had they had a like a virtual face mask, and they had like a, it was a fancy chair that they were in. But they were working piloting a spaceship. Um, but I never had any any kind of uh, experience work, you know, doing that. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I uh, I don't recall using a device like that. Um, uh, being being an empath, um, something I noticed was um, they they actually kind of kept me uh, kind of apart um, from what everyone else was doing, uh, like the soldiers, the engineers, the scientists, the technicians. I was kind of in like a, a bit of a separate um, program and also like sequestered a little bit because I was supposed to be like emotionally um, present and very passive. And they did use drugs and they did have. Um, uh, me on a, a slurry diet. I, I didn't eat solid food. Um, other people ate solid food. There was a couple times that I was allowed to eat like a real breakfast, and that was during like R and R, like time when they weren't using me. Like I, I'd have like some time off, and I could eat solid food. But when I was actually on duty, it was um, a slurry diet. And it's interesting what Tony said about sugar because I'm guessing it didn't have any sugar in it. And something I noticed is when I after I was put back. Uh, right up until 19, I, I had a big sweet tooth and like I loved vanilla Coke and like pumpkin pie and like all this, you know, like typical teenager, like and, 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 and as a child, like lots of candy and that. And then as soon as I got back, I cannot have any sugar now. Uh, if I even take one sip of uh, like pop, I, um, I, I instantly get um, like this ripple goes through me and I just get sick, like almost like a diabetic reaction now. 
Um, but I, but I've been tested for diabetes and I don't have diabetes, but it's interesting that I'm super sensitive to sugar. It's like my body can remember that diet. So it actually adjusted to a sugarless diet. So now I'm super sensitive to sugar. See, I, I can only have sugar that's been converted to alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I drink a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, wine wine has the Ormus Iridium in it, so there's some health benefits there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, we have another half hour. Where do we want to go with this? Um, what what haven't we covered? Do you guys um, like us to? Oh, actually, I, I got a go curious question. Uh, do you guys remember? Okay, Kevin, you you remember you were picked up by a TR? What was it called? A I call it a TR three because the TR three B. Like, um, I think they've made different versions of it since um, the TR three B. So I just call it a TR three. But it was um, it it wasn't your typical um, black triangle because it was smaller and it was white. And uh, I believe that's used by uh, the Canadian forces. So I think it's um, uh, because I actually have uh, recalls um, in the program um, actually um, patrolling the. Uh, the Arctic, like at high altitude, and um, there's actually one uh, uh, occasion I remember where they actually um, uh, uh, lowered us down out of the TR3. Um, and what's strange, because they have beaming technology, but for whatever reason, they didn't want to use the beaming technology, so they actually had us like repel down. And and this was in the Arctic, and uh, and uh, when we looked, we had like night vision goggles on, and um, when we looked down this hill. There was a, a pine forest, and in and because of the night vision, we could see uh, uh, five <laughs> strange as this sounds, uh, five large Sasquatch-looking creatures. Um, but we were told they were ETs that weren't supposed to be there. And there was two standing at the tree line, and then there, we could see because of the night vision, three standing further back, hidden in the trees. And um, you wouldn't have seen them without the night vision. And for some reason. Um, they wanted us to uh, to repel down. We they didn't beam us down. So uh, and I don't know why, but I guess it had to do with the operation. They wanted us to actually physically um, repel down. Um, maybe because they were worried that those ETs could interfere with the beaming technology, possibly. But um, anyway, so the point is, um, the, the the white tier three. I think it patrols the Arctic. That's my point. And you think it was Canadians that were involved? Well, I am a Canadian, and I was in Canada when I was picked up. And um, I mean, we do control a large portion of the Arctic, so that's just my own, you know, deduction on that. Hmm. They didn't say about or something like that, or or a to give it away if they were Canadian. So. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> like they didn't have like Canadian like flags, you know, post like you know, like like they didn't have a Canadian flag on it. But um, I'm just it, like. We're a part of the British Commonwealth, so I think, like, this is my theory, but I think that we work very closely with the UK and Australia and the British Commonwealth countries, and we have the Canadian forces act as an, uh, act as an auxiliary force to both the Americans and the UK and um, our Commonwealth um, allies, and we're kind of like middlemen and auxiliary force um uh, people that kind of uh, offer logistical support for both Americans, Europeans, Australians, etc. But that's just mm. my own theory. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you have a question, Paul? Okay, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just saying that the the state of things right now is kind of quieted down. There was a lot of talk about disclosure and everything. It seems like everything's kind of quieted down a bit. Um, you know, I, I think now's a great time to regroup and for everybody to get some writings out, you know, and take it to the next step. I think I know that there are people working on scripts for shows, movies that are going to talk about 20 and back tech. And I, I think that, we, you know, we got the first bit of information from everybody. And now that's kind of a kind of a breath. And it's obvious that we've had a bit of a shooting war over the over the last uh, six months with that whole. I think the whole missile in Hawaii thing was part of it. During that same week, there were missiles over Michigan or, or people, excuse me, meteors. And uh, I think there's been a lot going on behind the scenes that's that is uh, uh, ramping up. Tell us more about the, the missiles over Hawaii, because I was <laughs> I was uh, sitting in my uh, my living room and uh, they both went off. Both, both my phones, they were getting recharged and they both went off because it was early in the morning. And um, Sasha and I were having a little argument. <laughs> It was funny, kind of funny, and uh, I went over and said, uh, "You know, incoming alert missile. This is not this is not a um, a drill. This is real. You know, you got basically like 15 minutes. Get your life together and kiss your ass goodbye." So I walked over to the to the door where Sasha was, and I said, "Honey, um, we got an inbound missile, and we're going to die <laughs> in about 15 minutes. You got to figure this out, and or say goodbye at least." And uh, so anyway, he he didn't believe me. He didn't believe me at all. So I, I called my sister and I said, well, I don't know if it's real or not, but I'm going to, uh, I, I could be dead in 15 minutes here. Or maybe it's five minutes now. I don't know. You might hear this thing going off because time is going by and uh, I was just in shock. And um, so then we found out it was quite a delay. And I, I knew immediately I go, oh, no, this, is, this isn't uh, any kind of story like they're saying somebody screwed up. I guess. They were trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> and they did something. So that night I got a very vivid download that it was um, uh, 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 up above. It, it came from up above and it got shut down from, from the good forces up above. And it was a very clear download. I'm an ET contactee and it was very clear. So I went and put it out on Facebook. And then uh, Dr. Sala had a report saying, uh, or somebody had a report that it was a a sub, but it was one of the World War II subs or a captured sub or Israelis. And all these stories go, started going around, but then they said, no, it couldn't be that kind of sub because they can't um, launch, you know, from above up high into the uh, atmosphere, the stratosphere, and it had to be uh, something else. So anyway, um, then Corey Good had his stuff. So I'm curious, uh, what, what was it from your perspective? Well, um, last time we were talking, Janet, you, you recall speaking? that. Uh, Kevin Trimmel. Okay, um, yeah. You remember right. uh, uh, last time we were talking with Anthony, um, we ended uh, the show uh, like as we were just getting into um, a recall having to do with the sub. Uh, and the, right, the, yes. The whole, Anthony yeah, the Zender, Hawaii, yeah. Uh, yeah, Anthony Zender. Uh, uh, what happened was uh, in December, and I wrote it down on my timeline, December 5th, um, I had a reabduction experience and I was with Anthony. And we were on the TR-3, and they had us remote viewing a submarine. And it was a black submarine cruising on top of the water, and we were flying above it. It couldn't see us. We were cloaked. Um, they had us uh, remote view it, and we were tracking it. And um, that's all I recalled from it. And uh, so I, I, I spoke to Anthony on Facebook as soon as I you know, came out of it and, 
and uh, got online and I said like, hey, I just had this like dream of tracking the submarine with you. What do you think? And uh, he uh, he was like, well, yeah, I just like I just had the exact same dream. Like it, it really tripped him out. Um, and uh, so anyway, that was on December fifth, and um, I'm sure uh, I'm off Facebook now, but I'm sure in our uh, conversation history uh he can still look and um it was definitely in december when we were talking about this and then what happened with um uh, a month later um what happened uh, in hawaii anthony feels like um they uh grabbed us for a night and they actually brought us a month into the future and um they had us tracking um what he believes is uh, a cabal uh submarine uh, and they were what they were trying to do was they were going to do the classic problem reaction solution thing they were going to launch a missile at Hawaii and probably blame it on like North Korea or Russia or China, uh, whoever they wanted to blame it on, and um, literally cause like a Pearl Harbor event, history repeating itself all over again, so that the American people would feel threatened and act out of fear, and they would want to uh, retaliate against whoever they blamed it on, and that could actually cause World War III to happen. And it, and and I, like you know, for people who are awake and aware and in the truth movement, like we movement, we we would see it for what it is. But for the average person, I mean, if 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 they said like North Korea just fired missiles at Hawaii and fifty thousand people are estimated to be dead, um, and you know, and and the president got on there and said, okay, like we're going to retaliate. Um, like I don't think that there would be that much protest to stop it. <laughs> You know, stop well, going that, to war. It's been done. It's been done throughout history. That's how World War One was started: assassination of yeah. one president. You know, yeah, that's the mo. They blame somebody else. That's, that's how we've done it. Exactly, and like the sinking of the Lusitana. Um, Lusitana, I uh, can't pronounce it, but uh, they also to draw the Americans into World War One. They they purposely sank that uh, that uh, uh, cruise ship. That. Uh, so a bunch of Americans died, and they blamed it on a an, on a, a German sub. And it's possible a German sub did do it, but they uh, purposely uh, sent that cruise ship out into uh, German-controlled waters, That's right. <laughs> knowing yeah. that the U-boats were out there. And so yeah. they sent those people to their death, and they were like, so anyway, yeah, they've done that many times before. Uh, yeah. The same thing with World War II. Uh, um, the uh, Secretary of the Navy told Roosevelt that Yamamoto was coming with the Japanese fleet heading straight for uh, Pearl Harbor, and he, they'd already been cut off from Southeast Asian uh, rubber. Uh, he, uh, the Navy guy wanted to put the fleet in defensive position, and Roosevelt had made a deal with Churchill and said, no, I want maximum casualties so that uh, we can declare war on Japan and uh, Germany will declare war on us and we can save Britain. Exactly. And uh, also, too, Pearl Harbor, they purposely uh, had all their older um, uh, ships that were actually outdated and um, so that the older outdated ships would get bombed so that um, uh, they could, uh, uh, you know, when they were destroyed, they could remake new ships and uh, they would be, um, you know, modern day ships because most of those ships were actually um, older, outclassed by the Japanese fleet. And they, they wouldn't have been uh, very effective against the Japanese fl fleet anyway. So they purposely put the old stuff to like scuttle it and they used the Japanese to scuttle their Navy fleet, their old outdated fleet. And then, yeah, they, they built a new fleet to go at them again at the uh, Battle of Midway. Right. Disgusting. And 911, you got to really look at that too. The Twin Towers were brought down as an excuse to kill Iraqis and take away whatever civil liberties we thought we had.
I was waiting for yeah. somebody to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is to, to keep an eye on what's going to happen ahead. next. You know, you got to think. Uh, the other thing is, you got what's how do I how do I frame this? A lot of people are like, "There's no good guys. It's all just a one bad conspiracy." Even the good guys are bad guys in a conspiracy. And at some point, you have to say, you know, you have to say, "I hope that." I, I, you have to trust that somebody up there that's in, has access to to the higher ends of these programs is a good person is doing the right thing for the rest of us down here. I hope so. You know, because we really don't have a choice. Is there a way that we could ever force disclosure? I mean, is it possible if we got a million people together and marched on a secret location, Area 51, and if 100,000 people just walked right in the gate, um, could we force a disclosure? Is there something we could do? In other words, that's uh, a great idea. Really, I think, that's that's we, I think we are disclosure. That's disclosure is already we, happening. We are, but you know what? Out of the whole, out of the mass of the world, we're just a very small little pinprick. You know, you take a million people, two million people, five million people that know about it. That's still just minuscule compared to the what seven billion, going on eight billion people. That's so, that's so many people are just far removed from our information that we're talking about. The point where you reach critical mass, and it doesn't, it's like the, the minority. Uh, honey, you remember the experiment where they had a room full of clocks and they only had a certain percentage of clocks that were at a different time, and when it reached a certain um, amount, the whole room switched to the same time as the ones that were the different one. Do you remember that experiment? And then there's, of course, the 100 monkey, or, you know, it's because it's feeding into the grid. So there's a point of critical mass where things shift. And we don't know that magic number, but we're working for it. And no, I it's it's basically any 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 system any system has uh, changes in energy that run through it, or called they're called perturbations. And when they reach a certain critical mass, either the you know, structure is destroyed or it organizes into a larger structure. That's the way everything works, according to Prigogine. Right. Interesting. So, yeah, well, well, we're definitely being perturbed. Yeah. Yeah. These days. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're definitely under a lot of. Sorry, sorry. I just wanted to say something, Uh, Tony. I think Tony's right, though. I, I, I gotta say, like, they, you know, we, we get asked this a lot, like, well, like, if, if you're talking about this stuff, like, why aren't you guys dead? Like, why aren't people, you know, sent after to to kill you? And the reason is, they're probably laughing at us up there because they're like, no one's gonna believe you guys anyway. That, that, okay, one person, one percent of the population might you know, believe you or be open to it uh, or, and, you know, watch one of your videos. But even if you get a hundred thousand views, which we don't, <laughs> um, then, then that's only a hundred thousand people out of 7 billion. And, and out of those hundred thousand views, most people don't even believe what we're saying. Uh, you know, it's just because you get a certain amount of views on a video doesn't mean everyone is supportive. A lot of people are like, oh my God, no, sure. this is this is just BS. So most people right. don't believe it anyway. And that's why we're not really, you know, assassinated is because we're not even close to critical critical mass. We're, we're at like one to maybe 2% of the population that really has this down. And then 98% are just totally, you know, in their own little world. Yeah, we're you know, one way to look, one one way to look at it is is you know it doesn't it, it, you don't know whether you're ever going to have an effect or whether you're going to reach any goal of uh, disclosure. But you, what you do know is how you walk the path, and maybe the path is the goal, and the challenges are uh, what give meaning to your life. I mean, that's an interesting way to look at it. Well, a lot of people want it to happen overnight. 
which wouldn't be bad. Trust me. I think if they just came right out and we had Trump on the news tomorrow with a bunch of grays standing around him and they just <laughs> dumped it all on us. I honestly, I think it would work out. I think it would work out, but we're unaware of a lot of the things forces against us, but what's going to happen realistically is we're probably the second generation. I mean, when did they start really talking about a secret space program in the nineties? Maybe. And they, there were guys, there was a few guys here and there. Yeah, right? they, but, they uh, weren't really calling it that. That the, the secret space program is kind of a catch keyword, and it's really catchy. Right, we're the first. So we're the first generation saying that. Right, that it, that right. has that phrase. That are you know, um, Corey Goods really blazed a trail for that for other people to come up behind him. So we're the first generation of that, or the second generation of people that are talking about it. It's going to be the third and fourth generation that build upon what we leave behind. You know, the information that we put out there is going to get built built upon. And then they're going to disclose. I, and, you know, I, I hope I live to see it, but I know that when they disclose, they're just going to be laughable lies that they tell us. It's going to be laughable. Well, you know, well, you can, you can see it coming. The disclosure that's I've happening. I've had a little bit longer life than, than, the, than you here, and Sasha's had an even longer one. And I've seen an incredible amount of changes in the effectiveness of people, you know, going into a new paradigm. This is the one of consciousness. And when I was a child, and uh, the World War II had just ended nine years before, and Sasha went through World War II, so we've seen a lot of history. But you yeah, know, it's you a whole even different talk world. About no. Anything you couldn't even talk about anything paranormal. If you said ghosts or reincarnation. You know, you got ridiculed. So we've come a long way, baby. We're talking about the and and so, you know, are we are we co-creating all this in some way? Yeah, we that's are. what we're looking at. This Absolutely. is the reality and that the more we open our minds, we talk about these things outside of the box, the more we're creating all these uh, variety and variations. So um yeah, so go ahead, you were gonna call up. Yeah, we're absolutely doing that. What do you mean by that? What do you, what's your experience with that about uh excuse me yeah you said we are creating it so you were chiming in we, so we are i think you- it's it's a snowball effect and i think we've got a very tiny snowball going right now it's gonna it's gonna get to a larger snowball to an avalanche soon but you know uh, it's hard to tell but i think we're on the smaller side of disclosure right now of people that are remembering what happened to them and then coming forward to talk about it during uh, using mediums that we that we have access to, uh, in, like I said, I, I'd like to think uh, that the things I've said and exposed aren't going to be provable until after a disclosure, and that somebody is going to find my information useful at that point to come back and go, oh wow, this guy told us about that. I don't that. think it's a matter of proving it because we never could even prove Jesus, but we have sure. billions right. of people believing in Jesus. So I, I don't think it's proving it. I think it's capturing the imaginations and. They start to be, leave it, which is be, live it. They live it. They start to live it. They start to live from it. And that's even more powerful than being able to prove something because the, the things that we can't prove are have taken over the world. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you know? said it, uh, uh, like to live it. Um, this is, uh, I think Grant Cameron actually mentions this. He, he says that um, uh, when, you, when you're an experiencer, you're talking about uh, something you know. And that, that's not that's different than belief because what you know is what you experience. So like when I talk about something I actually physically saw, that's me talking about, you know, an experience I had. And I know that happened because I experienced it. Now, when I, when I say that, 
people may choose to believe it. And if they choose to believe it, then that is belief at that point because uh, they're, they're choosing to believe that what I'm saying is true. And maybe they may have had something similar happen to them and that might actually prompt them to believe me even more so opposed to someone who has never experienced that. They might be, have, be a little bit more skeptical. But as more and more people experience this stuff and start to remember, and I think Tony's right, that more and more people are going to have the courage to come forward and talk about a possible 20 and back because they're they're getting, you know, the, the bleed through memories, especially in the form of like, uh, you know, uh, vivid dreams, um, more and more people are going to continue to talk out uh, and uh, about their experiences. Um, but um, it, it has to come uh, initially, it has to come from the experiencers who know what they went through. And then whether or not the, the average person chooses to believe, that's like a separate thing. Right, right on, right on. Well, what we're yeah, going I, mean, to I, I find that I a lot know. of people, you, when you uh, teach people deep meditative techniques, I, I, I do holotropic uh, breath work, or you uh, facilitate in theogenic journeys without any direction at all, people ought, a certain amount of people start recalling extraterrestrial stuff. The thousands of people that uh, Stan Groff and I and others have worked with uh, in holotropic breathing. Uh, where people go into very, very deep state. After a while, almost everybody uh, it recalls past life, or they have past life imagery. They have imagery of being on other planets, of having other bodies, of having simultaneous existences. Uh, uh, it's like it, and having uh, spiritual attachments. It's all there. You don't even have to go specifically after it. All you have to do is put aside the matrix and go deep. And everything that's there comes out because it's in you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like if um, more and more people, like a secret space program aside, um, like uh, so many of us have come from other places and are star seeds on a soul level. So by doing like uh, past life regression, um, just uh, just that, like uh, never mind the secret space program, but like imagine if um, we as a as the human race acknowledge the fact that just life exists on other planets and we have had previous incarnations on other planets and then we, ch uh, we came here to have a human experience for whatever reason. I think um, even just that, uh, on a universal level, if everyone uh, kind of accepted that, um, I, man, that would just jump us way ahead in terms of our evolution. Yeah, and and you know, you've got the basic skill, you've got the basic skill, Kevin, that can really save humanity, which is empathy. That's what we all need to be able to look in each other's eyes and feel our oneness. And you've, you've already got that. You had it. That's why they chose you. But that's the skill, I think, that can bring peace to us. Well, that's uh, that's. I actually was at the uh, Ozark uh, UFO conference over the weekend, and I met a gentleman. Oh, and I met a gentleman who um, I pointed him out at the beginning on Friday, and I, I recognized that he was different. And um, because I had met a, a star nation being at the, the Alien Cosmic Expo in Toronto last year, and it wasn't until after the the event, but the last thing he said to me when I finally realized that he wasn't human because he patted me on the back and he said, "I'll see you back on the ship." And then he waddled off. Um, <laughs> yeah, and this they guy, do walk like, different. That's a good did, detail there. They they carry themselves differently. That's such yeah. A good it was detail. almost like it was almost like he was had had a long tail because uh, the way he waddled off. But this person who I met um, um, over the weekend because he approached me on the Sunday, and then he started saying some things to me that that he was talking from something deeply profound that he knew me at a, at a deep level. And I knew right away this guy is not. I don't think he's human. And um, you know, he said to me about 
about the reason why the planet is shifting is because of the lack is because of the drop of empathy of the humans of the human race that it's dropped like forty or sixty percent in the last twenty yeah. years. And and this is unacceptable. You know, humanity if they lose their empathy, they lose everything. So this is this is critical. But um, um, the other thing oh, what was the other thing you told me. Oh, shoot. Oh, now I forget what it was. Darn it. Oh, I lost it. Uh, by the way, Kevin, are you uh, are you going to the Alien Expo in Toronto in June? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Well, I'll see you there. I'm going to uh, a friend of mine uh, named Mike. He's uh, he's actually um, gonna he, he has a, he got a booth there. He's actually going to be demonstrating an electrogravitic lifter, uh, an, uh, like a triangle that lifts up. Uh, using electrogravitics, uh, um, so he uh, he's going to be demonstrating that at the expo. So I'm going to go to support him, and uh, so I guess I'll I'll see you there. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'll definitely be there. I'm, I'm supposed to be interviewing everybody. Um, actually, I remember the thing I was going to say. It's in regards to what's happening with this. What's happening with disclosure? Because uh, Grant Cameron actually made a good point of it. Um, it's not disclosure. It's actually affirmation that's happening now. It's already started. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, two to two to two to the stars academy with Tom DeLong are well working with this. You know, there was the announcement on December eighteenth uh, that went across all the news. You know, the New York, you know, the Washington Post, you know, CNN, Fox, whatever, of that you know video of that uh, F eighteen, you know, chasing that uh, that UFO. That's the first video that came out. Very shortly after that, there's a second UFO video that came out showing another entity. What they're doing now is there's going to be a lot more of these drops that are taking place at the mass media. And there's multiple sightings that are happening now on a crazy level. 2018, as I've been told by you know people who have gotten downloads, is the year that all the pieces are put together. It's a year that you know is the beginning of the end and the end of the beginning. Um, that basically, people are. it's going to be the affirmation where people will no longer be able to say, oh, UFOs don't exist. Oh, they actually are here, and they're they're setting the stage. Okay, this is the the disclosure is going to take place now over from 2018 all the way to 2021. But what we have to be very careful of is that this is also setting the stage for those people who still want to maintain and be in control, and there's still this the danger of a of an alien false flag invasion, which may put us all into danger because it could end up turning into something like a um, remember what happened when to the to the Japanese who lived in America after World War II? What happened? They were all put into concentration camps. It's very possible that they may do that to with all the experiencers will be seen as the enemy. If oh. if this alien expert, if this alien false sure. flag gets to a certain level, I'm not going to go down that reality. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna yeah. Go <laughs> uh, you know we're running out of time, so like they bring um, just a. Uh, you know, like thirty-second like closing statements because uh, I think our thing is going to go up in uh, off in two minutes there. So, uh, Anthony, Hello. Say goodbye. Hey. Closing statements. Yes. Thanks for having me here. Um, it's been uh, really good talking to all you guys, Kevin. I miss you, man. I hope we talk again soon. Um, to anybody out there that has that has fragmented memories, and it doesn't have to be of flying through space. Just fragmented memories. That that whole subject is something that's uh, very um, what do you call it? Swept under the rug, and it's very important for people to work on it. There's a lot of things happening. 
um, that you can do and research. And like you said, like you offered the work uh, uh, to me, um, to anybody out there that has that, just you got to keep um, keep hope and keep in mind that it's going to take a long time and keep at it. Because if you have a hunch in your stomach, you, sh- you probably should follow it. A lot of people have the memories yeah. and it doesn't make any sense to them. So they just brush it aside, but don't brush those aside. If it's reoccurring, if you're attracted to this subject and you have reoccurring fragmented memories, even a flash, you should just dwell on it and concentrate and give it a day and take your time and try to remember there's there. I guarantee there's more. Uh, and the other thing is about the system, like you said, the empathy of everybody, the people that are doing well in the system will resist a change to the system. So when you have lack of empathy, it's because people have everything taken care of for themselves. People that are doing well in today's world don't want to hear about your little change or what, you know, they don't want to hear about what's wrong with it. So they're the hardest ones to get to. And uh, it'll change. It'll come around. Hopefully that doesn't require some kind of event to shake them out of their, shake them off their high horse. And everybody just needs to perk up and and kind of pay attention a little bit more often to what's going on. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Kevin. Uh, Well, yeah, well said, Tony. Uh, It was really good to talk to you again. I miss you too. And we'll definitely be in touch. And, um, and then uh, Kevin, uh, yeah, let's meet up at alien cosmic expo and um, that'd be cool to meet you in person as well, man. Absolutely. And we're out of time. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you, Thomas Becker. Thank you for listening. Aloha, and blessings. Thank you, Aloha. Had a great time. Good night. is evolving rapidly and advancing into a fifth dimensional consciousness. They are seeking peace with all cosmic cultures, which may mean that the Earth will be asked to join the prestigious Galactic Federation of Light Alliances. Please join Debbie West and Michael Hathaway on Lost Knowledge. Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Studio A for the latest breaking news on the Star Visitor's peaceful contact and the ongoing project of cleansing the Earth. Who are you? I am the architect. I created the Matrix. I've been waiting for you. Why am I here? You are the eventuality of an anomaly which, despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision, which has led you inexorably here. You haven't answered my question. The Matrix is older than you know. As you are undoubtedly gathering, the anomaly is systemic, creating fluctuations in even the most simplistic equation. Choice. 
problem is choice. Right here at Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. Be here Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Private Eye Matrix Revealed with Monique Lassan. Even the government admits that 9-11 was a conspiracy. But did you know that it was an inside job? That Osama had nothing to do with it. That the Twin Towers were blown apart by a sophisticated arrangement of mini or micro nukes. That Building 7 collapsed seven hours later because